We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, your time is 8-12. I want to welcome you. We've been, we've been gabbing off mic, Gabby Lucivero. Did I say that right? Yeah, you nailed okay. it, and I'm really glad for the pun. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it, well, it's good to have you on. And, you know, you know, sort of as you do your stuff at NBC Connecticut, and I'm on mo- morning radio, I don't watch a lot of evening news. What? I see your part. I know. <laughs> I, but, you know, I recognize the importance. Of, you know, I you know I worked at NBC Connecticut. I do. Okay. And I didn't do your job. I, I was – who was the other guy who works in sports? I watched him on Saturday night before. Who does on, the sport? Oh, Matt Finkel? Yeah, Matt Finkel. Yeah. I saw Matt Finkel. I was the Matt Finkel. Okay. And Kevin Nathan was the Gabby Lucivero. I do say I'm the new Kevin Nathan. So. <laughs> I won't say they're big shoes to fill, but they're <laughs> – Listen, we don't need to make fun of how tall Kevin Nathan is. He has a big but, personality. But he, is a, he was a legend. And honestly, I point to Kevin as, you know, in my career, not only taught me how to tell stories, mm-hmm. but taught me how to work. Absolutely. And no one outworks that guy. I'm really grateful he's still in the newsroom. You can go to him at any time. Oh, absolutely. Kevin, you got the number for so-and-so? Oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He's got everybody. Well, and Jerry Brooks was in the newsroom when I started, too. Which he was, was he re- How he long was, have you been there? I've been there almost five years. Wow. I know. It's flown by. Well, two of those were pandemic years, so it feels like they didn't happen. What was that like? I mean, I did a bunch of TV and radio from home. And I mean, I didn't like that era. Just I feel like it made me really lazy and I don't know. But what was it like for you to do television out of your living room? Um, Weird. I moved in the middle of it, too. I mean, I lived in a one bedroom apartment and I had I joke the first week that we got sent to work from home. I was sitting on my coffee table and I would move it back every night because I'm really like detail oriented in my home and I like to have that be my space. So every night and it was this heavy wooden coffee table and I would move it back every single night. Like it wasn't going to happen the next day. And then I finally had to compromise and be like, okay, on your weekends, you can move the coffee table back. Um, and it's so, okay. And it's, and it's all right. Um, so it was weird. Um, we definitely got used to it. I mean, doing the news in your sweatpants and a blouse is 
lovely. Um, got used to it. And the one really big benefit is I ended up connecting with so many like local coaches. And especially on the high school level, I found myself connecting with a lot of coaches that maybe we would just see at a game. But now right. we had to pick up the phone, call them. And we were so like desperate for that connection that even if I was calling him for a story we would sit and we would have a chat for a little while on the phone first just how's everything going and I felt like it really you know at the time the pandemic hit I think I'd been here about two years maybe a little less and I feel like it just helped me in a time of disconnection I connected yeah. so much and built your your Rolodex if you will Absolutely. you know for me I did a tv show in, in uh, New England cable news called primary source during the election cycle pre-pandemic and we couldn't figure it out we did try to do Skype interviews when we couldn't get somebody because we had no budget and my bosses were like you can't we can't do this and then I think lowering the bar for production quality mm-hmm. allowed you to talk to more people, Definitely. right? And so I thought that that I wish I had had that the year before. Not I didn't want a pandemic, but just it opens up the opportunity to talk to more people because mm-hmm. it's hard to get people in studio and it's hard to get to them sometimes. Uh, we're talking with Gabby Lucevera from NBC Connecticut. We're, in terms of the way that hour's going to go, she's going to hang with us. I have a bunch of stuff about local news mm-hmm. to talk to you about, how your job has changed in those five years, what you think of Connecticut. I mean, a lot of things like that. And then we're going to focus on uh, a story we've both done work on. You've done a little bit more than me, but uh, the situation at the University of Hartford, uh, them going from Division One to Division Three, And I, I don't. we have to go to a break in a second here, but... You set off, Mike, I thought was, and I don't want to take words out of your mouth, about how, it's not necessarily going from Division One to three that is maybe an issue. It's it's the how. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I think we'll get into that a little bit. And, you know, we both tried to get uh, Gregory Woodward, the president, on our respective airs, and we have n- not had success at that. But, you know, one thing I'm fascinated about is sort of this evolution of journalism. And we're here with Gabby Lucevera from NBC Connecticut. I mean, I, again, I'm older. I made a commitment to journalism later in life. I wasn't. I didn't get my first job in journalism until I was like 26. Mm-hmm. I started off as a stringer at the Worcester Telegram Gazette and then ended up at ESPN and so on and so forth. But it's changed so much. And even since, you know, I was, I was in the sports department in 2002 and 2003 mm-hmm. at NBC Connecticut. And I always, my stories depended on whether I could get a camera. Mm-hmm. I had to get a person and a camera, mm-hmm. and it's a union shop. And if I didn't get a camera person, I didn't have a story that day. Yep. And now I don't know to, to what degree it's changed, but I know that, I mean, you, you can do everything yourself now, correct? First, 2002, 2003, do you want to know how old I was then? I don't. <laughs> I don't, because I'm sure you might have been still peeing in a diaper. Thank you very much. Listen, I wasn't that young, but I think we're talking uh, sixth grade. Thank you. Uh, so- Appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I do it all. We're what we call a multimedia journalist, MMJ, um, which means that I have my own camera. And if there's a story that I want to do, I pick up my camera, I go shoot the story, I come back, I write the story, I edit the story, and then hopefully I have time to put makeup on before I go on TV. And were you trained to do that that yes, way? Yes, absolutely. So I have a lot, a lot of respect for uh, some of the other guys who have been in the sports broadcasting in this market for years, the John Pearsons. John Pearson, I was going to bring and, him up. You know, the John Pearsons, the Joe Zones, Eric Dobratz, the guys who, you know, at Channel 8, Channel 3, who have been here for a really long time. And they started like you were talking about when you had the camera off, you had somebody with you. Right. And they've learned how to do it. 
I got into this knowing that's what I was signing up for, so it's not as much of a shock to me, right? And these guys have leaned into it, embraced it, and yep. they're great at what they Pearson's do. Pearson's amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, both Pearson and Dobrats, I know Dobrats, but I think Pearson do started off as producers, mm-hmm. so I think that helped them from that perspective. But, like, I couldn't do it. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I would spend, because when I got there, like, Kevin Nathan can edit. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even edit, because I didn't, I had never worked in television. Right. And so uh, I didn't have those skills. So I was definitely, you know, like I had doctor's hands or whatever. Um, But, you know, so you don't even think about it as extra work. It's just the core part of what you do. It's what we signed up for. Does it limit you or does it expand possibilities? It it limits and it expands, right? I don't have to wait or worry, is there a, a body to help me shoot a story? I know what I have at my hands and what I can go do. Um, it limits because, yeah, sometimes it does take longer and you don't have two heads working on something. I can't say, hey, edit this while I work on something else. Um, so it does limit in those ways, but then it also gives me so much creativity to do what I want. I'm clearly a control freak. I don't think anybody would. Well, the table story, I would think we're going (laughs) to, now I have that registered in my head. So that says it all, really. That's all you need to know. I'm engaged to a news photographer. So, um, and he always says, he's like, I can't work with you. (laughs) Um, and I don't fault him for it because I usually work alone yeah. and I just have my own process and I do my own thing and he will work with me if I ask really nicely and he's incredibly talented. But, you know, I get it. I would work with him any day. I understand why he would. Well, listen, I, you know, I'm not quite like that. But, you know, you, when you're in local news, you're used to field producing yourself. And mm-hmm. when I went to CNBC and I had a field producer on every story, I had trouble because I thought I knew best mm-hmm. and I d- didn't I had to learn how to defer and I didn't like it. I never did I, n- <laughs> I never did like it. You know the one thing I want to ask you before we get to we got to take another break at some point but you know the the way you do sports is different now too than when I did it. Can you give me a little bit of an explanation about not just about how you shoot it and edit it but sure. I mean the, the content. Absolutely. I think that I came in here expecting hyper hyper local. We're in Connecticut. I don't have to be at a Patriots availability every Wednesday. I don't have these things that lock me in that dictate my coverage. So some of the most fun days are days where we don't really know what we're going to cover. And I love to see what the other stations are doing because it can be four different stories as your lead because we're just hyper, hyper local. Who is... You know, somebody doing something interesting, I say it could be the worst kid on the team, but are they an incredible person in their community who's leading a food driver or what? So um, local sports in Connecticut is such a unique thing where, yeah, we're covering all the pro teams in New England and New York, which would seem like a huge task at hand. But since we're doing it from afar, that opens up this whole world to get so so hyper local and so for me one of the things that's been really interesting is just learning more about the issues in the community and I feel like sports is this great microcosm for society and it's a way even on a grand scale people understand the bigger issues is through sports it's how athletes might be protesting something or standing up for something or just and I feel like it's a little bit more palatable than the greater issue (laughs) well no it's funny because and and you know sports I mean I don't know how many times you know the the 6 p.m or 11 p.m producers I got to cut you from 2 30 to 2 or whatever and and the thing is I think the hyper local it's the way like newspapers were sold if 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 local people and families see their children or their brother or sister mm-hmm. on TV, that makes them want to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually sports is 
underappreciated in that sense from a viewership standpoint. And also, every kid has a story. Absolutely. And there's rosters full of these kids all over the place. And and so I think that that part of it, I, I think it makes television more valuable when you focus on sports. And I think, you know... And and make sure. Do you make sure you post? I think you should post all your stuff. Do you post all your stuff on Twitter? When I do you, my okay. best. Because <laughs> like Pearson posts everything. He posts everything. And I don't so, know if you heard, but I shoot at it right and all my own. No. You know, <laughs> but you know, it's I I want to see more of it because I think it's really important, and, and I don't get to consume it, you know, through traditional TV. Although I do have NBC Connecticut, I have Ted, uh, and. Um, Heidi, Heidi, uh, <laughs> on all the time. I used to work with Bob, obviously, and I watch them them every morning. But before we're going to segue into University of Hartford, and by that is you're able to now though go for some more textured content mm-hmm. as well. Can you just talk a little bit about before we go full force into it? How did you get involved in the Hartford story? I saw the news as it started to come up, and like many of us, I said, "Wow, this is pretty unprecedented." And by the just, fact that they made the NCAA tournament and they it was a great positive and then a month later they were not even the NCAA tournament in it just you don't there's only been two schools who have made this transition from division 1 to division 3 so it's just unprecedented in that move and regardless take the, even take the tournament out of it it's it's just an unprecedented move does that mean it's wrong i'm not here to say that it's right. just not something you see often. So instantly I was intrigued. And what does this mean? Then you throw in the tournament. And I'm and these are athletes who I've been covering now for three years, not just on the basketball team, but from from all the different sports that are at that school. The, the baseball team as well is drawing yeah. a lot of attention. And so I was just interested. What is this? How does this work? And it just started with the general curiosity. Mm. What does this mean? For these athletes. And we'll get into what it means and what you discovered. Listen, we're it's amazing, Gabby, that we're already I'm already worried about time. So I, I want to get to it. What brought me to the story, just for because mm-hmm. we haven't talked about it, I said I I when I haven't been covering sports, I've been a fan of sports my mm-hmm. whole life. And when Hartford made the NCAA tournament, I was like, wow, that right. was really mm-hmm. impressive. And then they actually gave Baylor as good a game as anyone else did in the tournament. Absolutely. And they even had injuries. And then, then they announced the switch to Division One to Division Three, and I said to myself, "Well, wait a second. If you make the NCAA tournament, that always leads to more fundraising mm-hmm. and more applications. It's like that's fact. It's in the data. Absolutely. And so I was shocked, and so that that got me to thinking about it, talking about it. And then I I met a couple times with Coach Gallagher, and 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 I wanted to know more about it, and. You know, for a while we had Sharon Beverly on. You talked to, mm-hmm. to her, and we talked to two coaches: the baseball coach and the new women's basketball coach, who I was very impressed with, actually. And and you know, that was the first and only time I've had outside of when I talked to Kathy Barons mm-hmm. in two years that I got their side. And they just haven't talked, and this vocal minority is all over the place. Right. So it's been an imbalance. And what I want to ask you is: so you've done you you explain why you got to the story, and you. I initially reached out to you after the most recent piece you wrote. Can you just share with people who don't know about it, what did you find out? Absolutely. So one thing I've been interested in since the jump on this story is just what does this look like through the transition? How many kids are going to say, this isn't right for me. I'm a Division One athlete and I want to play Division One sports and are going to leave the university. So I've just been really interested in this transfer situation since the start of this and because the school's actually given out 
their numbers. Right. And and this was even before the school gave out their numbers. I just said, there's going to be kids that leave the school. I want to know how many. Sure. And that was before they said, you know, coming into this year, they said 116 new student athletes have come in. They said, this is the biggest number we've had. Well, that may be true. But then I said, so in what context? You've added 116 athletes, but how many athletes have left since you made this announcement? And what number did they give? So they said that 62 student athletes had transferred. Since? Out, since since uh, the end of the 2021. So in the last year. year. So in the last year. Um, year and a half, I would okay. say. Um, that's pretty much since the, um, since the announcement okay. was made. And you found the numbers... Much higher. Okay. And uh, I basically did that. I had a chance to take a look through the transfer portal um, over the last two years. And I I cut out who was there in, you know, I didn't start that until April of 2021. So I left out a whole piece of the year. What about the lacrosse team? Because the, the, the men's lacrosse team alone was like a couple dozen, right? 33 kids immediately after the transfer. And they couldn't even have a season. They didn't play. So, And that's the thing is regardless of even just looking at the transfer portal, you can just see based off the fact that the men's lacrosse team and the women's lacrosse team did not field teams last year. So let me ask you this. So the number, according to what you found, and you said give or take, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an inexact science, but you're – 100% confident that it's more than 62. Absolutely. And so when I get, and then you look at the school enrollment, which is basically down 20%. Mm-hmm. And I use the statistics like 80% of people who apply get in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the discount rate is also, you know, quite high. And so my question ultimately is like, what's the motivation to A, do this in the first place, mm-hmm. and then B, not be completely transparent with those numbers? I don't know, right? We don't have that answer. I think it's just the question of it started out as a as everything was explained to us in financial terms. And so that was the context that we had to go with. But as the stories evolved, it's changed away from this financial terms of, oh, we'll save $10 million, which was the initial projection, to, no, it fits more with our university mission. So somewhere in there is the truth. And the university mission is about giving student athletes a more well-rounded experience. That's what the school has told me, getting them more involved in community activities as well, which is great. Um, But what is the finance? It was presented initially to the Board of Regents, to the university community as a financial move. So next we're going to talk about what this means for the university as a whole. And we'll just put a little bit of a pin in that. Uh, Quickly want to talk about FanDuel, then we'll take a quick break again for weather and traffic. You know, we're back here with Gabby Lucevero from NBC Connecticut, who's um, reported extensively on a lot of things, but especially University of Hartford and their transition from Division I to Division III. I think ultimately what's lost is the students. Mm -hmm. And... You know, the women's soccer team's doing great right yeah, now. Absolutely. They have uh, Imani Jenkins, mm-hmm. who's like one of the leading scorers in the country. By the way, the leading female scorer in the country is from Quinnipiac, absolutely. too, by the way. I just did that, figured that out in my research. But men's soccer's 0 11, women's volleyball's 2 18. And if they have provisional status, I think they still have to play some sort of modified D1 for the next two years after this. Yes. And why would a kid want to come to school to get their butts kicked? Every single week. I mean, it's those students, like, that must be awful, I think. It's hard on the morale, right, to come out and know you're going to lose, know that you're, the odds are stacked against you because this is tough. They're straddling Division One and Division Three right now, basically as 
a reclassifying member, you are to default and try to abide by these Division Three rules while still meeting Division One requirements. How do you do that as a coach trying to make a schedule? It's near. It's not impossible, but it's nearly impossible. Well, like women's basketball, their schedule came out, I think, yesterday, and they have to play Chicago State four times to right. get to their games. And they do have some real legitimate competitive games on their schedule, but they also have some filler. And, and so that's one part of it. And, you know, I go back to this. You know, there are a lot of people that we talk to that we don't we can't talk about all of the allegations and accusations because we can't confirm them. But there's a lot of allegations of a wider institutional issue here with with the University of Hartford. And, you know, I'm just wondering what would be you talked about only two other schools have gone one to three in most schools. I'm looking at Stonehill in particular Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts, which is making a big move to Division one. Bryant University used to be Bryant College and Mm -hmm. they've moved to Division one. It seems that most schools go the other way. Like, why would President Woodward and the school want to do this? That's a great question. And maybe it does fit. Maybe it is a smaller university and you need to find a way to make this make sense. And maybe Division One athletics is not the correct space for the University of Hartford. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about a mid-major program where these kids are coming, they're either moving and coming to Hartford um, to play, to be a Division One athlete, or they're staying in Connecticut to be right. a Division. They're, the be- they're you know some of the best in the state, and they're choosing to stay here. Either way, you're bringing in athletes who know that these are probably the last four years, more likely than not, that they're playing this sport. So they're focused on their studies. They're focused on being a part of this community that they're in. I think they're some of the truest student athletes at these mid-majors because there is more to their college experience than just being an athlete. And so you're bringing in these. We talk about Imani Jenkins, right? She's not at the University of Hartford if they're not Division One. She is a high caliber player. She's leading the country, and you know, top three in the country in goals scored in Division One women's soccer. She is University of Hartford all the way. Her dad played there. Right. She's, you know, she went to Capital Prep and Middletown. She's from Connecticut, and she's a brain that they're bringing in, right? She's a, a high caliber student that is staying in this community, might get a job in this community, as opposed to leaving the state and right. going to a Division One college elsewhere. We're talking with Gabby Lucivera from NBC Connecticut here on Brian and Company. And, I, and listen, the history, whether you go back to Vin Baker or, you know, um, Jerry Kelly in the, on the golf course, mm-hmm. and I mean, there there is a... And some of the baseball players who have had a lot of success of late, and we were just talking about Jackson Olsen, who's now with the Savannah Bananas, who maybe was robbed of a – what's the guy who was with the Angels for a hot minute? And David got, McKinnon. McKinnon, is, who's, who should get an opportunity at some point. I mean, there is a history of some success at the Division One level. And, you know, for me, I just go back to Coach Gallagher, which I took years to grow something, and then all of a sudden it – it, it got swept from under his feet, and he has a lawsuit, not against the university, but against a, a member of the mm-hmm. Board of Regents. And there's other lawsuits involved. Just, you know, one of the last things I want to ask you is that do you find it in your reporting that a- any of these lawsuits have a chance, and is there any chance that this small but vocal minority will find traction in trying to go the other way? I don't know. That's a really <laughs> that's a really great question. I think that certainly they have a case, right? You have uh, Coach Gallagher's lawsuit where he's, of course, starting to field offers right after he takes his team. He builds his program up. He takes it to the NCAA tournament. No surprise some people, some uh, some major programs came calling 
looking for an assistant and he's saying you know in his lawsuit he alleges he asked multiple times what's happening here should i be concerned and was reassured multiple times no this division three move is not going to happen and so he turned down offers so if they get people deposed who who admit to the timeline then he can win that case I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, my, my guess is I don't know the merits of his case and the other cases had, had its issues. I I just don't see it going backward. I think the next two to three years are going to be very difficult, and I don't know how they can recruit athletes. I mean, to go 0-11, I've been on bad teams, and there's nothing worse than losing that much. I mean, it is demoralizing, especially for a you know, late teenager, you know, young man or young woman. And so I, I, but I don't know what's going to change. I don't know what's going to change, but I think the best thing can be to do right by your athletes and recognize that you have division one athletes who wanted to play division one sports at your university right now. Make that experience as good as it possibly can be. And there's two things I want to get to. One is this report of that came out of the 15% of donations to the sports Mm -hmm. go to day to day operations. I don't think it's without precedent. It's not like it's 100% or so on and so forth. But is that something that is, I mean, is that rare to do? I remember I went to Amherst College and early on they changed it. But early on, like $20 of every athletic donation would go to the general mm-hmm. fund and then the rest could go to the sport. Now they, they have since changed that to have 100% go to the sport for the reasons that we lay out. But is that something that is 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 uniquely negative in them doing that? I think it just calls into question, again, what's the motive for this move? What's the reason? Again, the initial reports were it's this financial thing. Here's the financial incentives to move from Division One to Division Three, And then, again, the narrative shifts to what are the mission statement, you know, what's our mission statement, and this is what we want out of it. It's not financially motivated. But then you hear that they are taking 15% of those donations going to specific sports to essentially keep the lights on right and whether that's you know it it could be that's not not allowed Right. right but what's the motive if it's not financially motivated, then why do you need to do this? Right. And my last question, uh, we're talking with Gabby Lucifer. It's great to meet you and great to talk to you. And we should have you on again from NBC Connecticut. Uh, do they still call you the sports director? Is that your title? Acting sports director. Okay. Well, it's not permanent yet? we got to work on that. <laughs> we'll have to work on that. Why, my last question is, and this is being honest on the air, why is the administration so controlled controlling about letting us speak to someone like President Woodward. What answers do you get when you ask to speak to him? I don't get an answer. Um, the, the honest answer is I have, every single time I've reached out to administration, I've made it clear that this is somebody I'd love to speak to because you're right, the minority is loud. And I would love, we are all about, let's share both, there are two sides to the story, and I would love clarification on is it financially motivated? Is it a mission statement? Is it both? It can be so many things all at once. Let's talk about it. And they just, you get ghosted? I'll get answers to my other questions, but there's never, I mean, getting a chance to speak with Sharon Beverly was really helpful because you get to explain their side of this. Love to explain their side and where this is coming from and what this means to student athletes. But we can't tell that side of the story if the university 
doesn't want us to talk to anybody. Well, when you do talk to them, come back and talk to us. <laughs> we'll and let you know. uh, and uh, we'll be watching on NBC Connecticut. Uh, Gabby Lucivero, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 